Grace and peace be unto you and welcome to Empowered Living with Evangelist Robin Sherrod. I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today because here at Empowered Living, we add value to your life as we point you to Jesus Christ. We are so excited that you have decided to join us today and we want you to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms. You will see those on the screen as well, but if you're not able to see it on your screen, just go to robinsherrod.com and we will have more information available for you. Well, go ahead and get your Bibles, get your tablets, get your smartphones, and let us go to the word of the Lord. We're coming from out of the book of Genesis today. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34. Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34. And we're gonna be doing a little bit of reading today. So go ahead and get your Bibles again, get your iPads and get your tablets and let us get to the word of the Lord. It reads as such. I'm going to be reading from out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Keep that in mind. He was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. There's that word again. Pay attention to it, weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright. That's another word. I want you to pay attention to birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and he drank. He arose and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Again, there's that word birthright. I want to use for a topic today, the downfall of Esau. The downfall of Esau. And if I was to have, in which I do, have a subtopic, it is the cost of compromise. The cost of compromise. I remember a plane crash that happened several years ago. And part of the investigation, of course, was to find out why and how the plane crashed. When they continued to do an investigation, they found out that it was a small part, a small part of a big plane that was taken out for general maintenance. The part was cleaned and then it was put back into the plane. It was put back into the compartment from whence it came out. However, it was placed in backwards. It fitted in, but it was placed in backwards. And because of that small, little, it seemed mundane situation, the plane actually crashed and everyone on board was killed. When they further investigated, they found out that the person who was assigned to do the final inspection compromised. 
they compromised the 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 inspection because they had other things on their mind that they wanted to do that they needed to do so instead of having the plane go through that final uh, small inspection that would have prevented this accident from happening, the individual decided not to and compromised and made a decision that resulted in severe consequences. So today we're going to look at the cost of wrongful compromises. You see, there are right ways to compromise and then there are wrong ways to compromise. When we look at a right way to compromise, it is when we have individuals or when we have groups and everyone is working towards the same goal, which is going to lead to a positive result. It is going to lead to a positive result that is not going to jeopardize the life, the safety, the health, or the spiritual walk for us as believers, for those who are involved in that process. Now, in terms of a wrongful compromise, it is when groups of individuals or people decide to go down a road or go down a path that would lead them to jeopardize their life, their health, their safety. And many times for us that are believers, it could be a wrongful spiritual compromise, as we will see with Esau and the downfall of Esau. As we continue on with the word of the Lord, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34, and I'm going to be reading this from out of the NIV version of the Bible. It says, do not be misled. I want you to say that where you are right now. I cannot be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Have you ever found yourself in a situation wherein you know of know-it-alls that you knew that you were not supposed to do A, B, or C? But because of the situation that you found yourself in, and because of you wanting to go along to get along, you did what? You made a wrongful compromise. And in making that wrongful compromise, it resulted in more than likely a negative consequence. We have to be so uh, rooted and we have to be so um, uh, anchored in the Lord that when uh, temptation come, when compromises come, when they're the wrongful compromises, we can stand forward and stand up and say, no, you know, I'm not going to go down that route. I know where that path is going to lead me. And there are some consequences and there are some compromises that you can bounce back from. But in the example that I gave you earlier about the plane and the inspector, that was a compromise that he made, a wrongful compromise that resulted in many lives being uh, 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 dying. And also he has to live the rest of his life with the guilt that he made a decision and a split second that changed the course and the trajectory, not only of his life, but the people that was on the plane and their families and their friends forever. So let's look at Esau. 
Let's start off with looking at Esau and how he had the ability, he had the opportunity, he had the rightful position to stand for something, but yet he chose to fall into a wrongful compromise. And that compromise cost him. As the story unfolds, we see here that Esau, he is the son of Isaac and Rebekah. He is also a twin. His brother is named Jacob. Now Esau, when he came out of the womb, according to Genesis 25 and 25, he was red. He had a, a red aura about him and he was hairy. And when he grew up, he was a more of a outdoorsman. He was a man of the field. He liked to be out there amongst nature, amongst the animals. He was considered again to be a hunter. That was Esau. But then we had his twin brother named Jacob. Jacob was totally opposite than Esau. He was one who enjoyed being a homebody. He was one who enjoyed uh, being around his mother, uh, doing things, you know, that were closer to the home. He wasn't out and about like his brother Esau. Isn't it interesting, for those of you that have children, isn't it interesting that your children, you have multiple, you may have multiple children, at least two or more, and you can tell that their personalities are so different. Sometimes with my sons, my, grown, my sons are grown now, but sometimes when they were young, I would just look and marvel. And I would say, you know, you all have the opposite personalities. But they came from the same seed. That's the makeup of God. He created us all to be so different. But even in the differences that he made, he empowered us with the ability to know the distinction between right and wrong. We're talking about the cost of compromise. Esau was also the oldest. How many of you out there, you are the eldest child? And if you are the eldest child, you know that there are some perks that come along with being the oldest. Maybe you were able to get a room uh, by yourself when you began, you know, when you um, grew up a little bit more, when you became a teenager or whenever that opportunity came where all the other siblings had to share a room, you were able to have a room to yourself. Maybe you were able to stay out just a wee bit longer than your brothers or your sisters because you were the oldest. Maybe you were the first one to get the gaming system or get the phone because you were the oldest. You notice there are certain perks that come with being the oldest and it's not because of what you bring to the table because oftentimes we are, we are the eldest, but yet we're growing up. So we don't have a job. We don't have an occupation. We don't have a profession. We're not bringing in any revenue. So it's just based on the love, catch this, it's based on the love of our parents and the positioning that we're in that we have certain blessings that's attached to that. So this is what Esau had. He was the oldest. So therefore, there were certain benefits that he had. And we're going to talk about those benefits. So what are some of the benefits that Esau had? First and foremost, Esau had a birthright. So what is a birthright? The birthright is the natural privilege of the firstborn son. 
receiving the birthright, the firstborn would become the head of the family. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, and Genesis 43 and 33. The firstborn would have charge of the family, including the family property. He would have an honorable distinction, according to Exodus chapter 4, 22. He would be responsible for the welfare of the younger sons or the widow or any unmarried daughters in the family. He would receive, now catch this, a double portion of the inheritance according to Deuteronomy 21 verses 15 through 17. He would also have a royal succession according to 2 Chronicles 21 and 3 and Psalms 89 and 27. Now keep in mind, Esau, just on the fact that he was born into this line, into the line uh, of Abraham, into the line uh, of Isaac, uh, you know, in, into the line, because he was born into this line, he was able to partake of this birthright. He would have considerable authority over the family. Keep this in mind. As the eldest son from a Jewish family, when his parents were not in their presence, he became, as you would say, the man of the house. So he was the one who was in charge. Keep this in mind. It's going to be very key as we go through the story. The fact that because of his birthright, he had the right that when his parents were not in his presence, that he could step in and he could be in charge. You see, you and I have a rightful position as well in God. We have a rightful position in the kingdom of God because we are believers. Galatians 3 and 29 says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It says, if you are in Christ, if you are born again in him, then we are heirs. We are Abraham's seed according to the promise. Romans chapter 8 verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. John 1 and 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Talking about rightful position now. He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Other scriptures, 2 Corinthians 6 and 18, Ephesians 1 and 11. Go and read and study those scriptures to understand our rightful place as being children, as being heirs of God. When you and I understand our rightful positioning and our rightful place, we're going to be able to stand and stand therefore, and we're not going to allow anyone to come and to move us out of our rightful position. Because in that rightful position, when I'm standing in the rightful position, there is something else that happens. There's a blessing. So Esau, he had not only entitlement to a birthright, but he also had entitlement to the blessings that was attached to the birthright. You and I have the blessings that's attached to the birthright in Jesus Christ. 
And when you don't understand your worth and when you don't understand your value, you allow someone else to come in who do not understand your value, do not understand your purpose, do not understand your destiny. And they begin to put your mouth on what should have the, the space and the movement and the for, forward momentum of God in it. The blessing. How many have settled Settle because you didn't realize who you were in Christ or who you are in Christ in your rightful position. That you did not understand that you have that position. Next, Esau. Esau had a rightful blessing. He had a spiritual and a natural blessing that was attached to the birthright. It says that he would have a great name according to Genesis chapter 12 that there will be eternal possessions according to Genesis 15, 1 through 6. That there will be multiplied descendants and that the gates of enemies would be destroyed according to Genesis 22 and 17. He had the father's blessing of which was forfeited in Genesis 27, 27 through 29. He was blessed to be fruitful, to multiply, and to inherit the land, according to Genesis 28, 3, and 4. And again, it was nothing that he did to necessarily gain all of this. It was because of his birthright that these blessings would come upon him and overtake him. You and I have rightful blessings also from God. Not only do we have a birthright, not only are we children joint heirs, heirs of Christ. But because of that, there are blessings that's attached to it. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Come on now, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What are some of the blessings that we have as believers in Christ? We have redemption. Galatians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. It says he has delivered us, come on now, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We also have eternal life, 1 John 5, 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. We have received grace, the unmerited favor of grace as a blessing upon our life. 2 Timothy 2 and 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We have received the blessing of salvation. 2 Timothy 2 and 1 says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ with eternal glory. We also have the opportunity and the blessing to be a new creature. To be a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things become new. Do you know because of the birthright and the positioning that we have because we are in Christ, that we are joint heirs with Christ and the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add no sorrow, that it doesn't matter what we've done in our previous life, that when we come over to the life of Christ, when we step into the rightful birthplace, 
that there is a blessing attached to it. So I want to talk to somebody. You may not even know who your natural parents are, but you know who your Lord and Savior is, Jesus Christ. And in that, you have a birthright. You're not running around here aimlessly trying to figure out who, what, when, where, and how. All you have to do is step into your rightful positioning. Your rightful positioning is in Christ. You are Abraham's seed, and because of Abraham's seed, you have the blessings. You are a descendant. You have the inheritance. You have the right. You have the blessing. And because of that, you have the benefit. So Esau had a birthright. He had a blessing, and he also had the benefits. Now, are you and I walking in the path of the benefits that God has given unto us? Or are we somewhere standing on the sidelines, or are we compromising because we want to fit in to get in. Not realizing that God has already put you in a place where you don't even have to do any of that. All you have to do is serve him. Can somebody say, all I got to do is serve God. Now here we have Esau. He had all these things. He had a birthright. He had a blessing and he had a benefit. But also he had a will. And that will caused him to make a wrongful compromise. There is something in the IT world called indicators of compromise. Now, indicators of compromise, they are pieces of forensic data that identify potentially malicious activity on a system or a network. These indicators of compromise, they aid information security and IT professionals in identifying data breaches, malware infractions, and other threat activity. Now, by monitoring the indicators of compromise, organizations can detect attacks and act quickly to prevent breaches from occurring and limit damages by stopping the attacks in the early stages. You and I have some indicators of compromise that's found in the word of the Lord as it relates to Esau. Let me tell you about them. Number one is an indicator of wrongful compromise. So you can put yourself in the position when you are at a point that you are about ready to make a wrongful compromise. One of the first things that happens is that you are distracted. Genesis chapter 25 verses 29 through 30. It says that when Esau came from the field that he was weary. So he was distracted when he came from that field. Now, with him being distracted from coming from the field, he was in a vulnerable state. When you and I are about ready to make a wrongful compromise, we are distracted. Now, Esau would go out to the field all the time. He was an outdoorsman, as I said earlier. So why was it on this particular day that he was weary? Could it be that Esau stayed out in the field too long? Sometimes we stay out in the field too long. Sometimes we go out there and we know we need to bring it home, but we stay out there just a little bit too long and we become vulnerable and we become weary and we become distracted. And this is what Esau did. He became distracted. You and I must not make lasting decisions based on a temporary distraction. Then there was dissatisfaction. What was he dissatisfied with? He said that I'm at the point to die over in Genesis 25 and 32. He said, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this do for me? He was dissatisfied because he thought the grass was greener on the other side. 
not realizing that he was acting on impulse. He exaggerated his current condition. We must view the short-term satisfaction in light of the long-range consequences. He says, I'm about to die. Well, do you know you can go without food longer than you can go without water? So if he was about ready to die, the first thing he should have done when he came in, he should have asked for water. Now, we can take that to the New Testament and talk about Jesus being that living water, talking about that water that he really needed. But for the sake of our discussion today, he did not ask for water. He asked for food. He asked for something of his flesh. Don't make your situation worse than what it is. The Bible says he was weary, not that he was starving to death. Other commentaries say he was exhausted. He was extremely tired, but not that he was starving to death. And then thirdly, he despised his birthright. So he disregarded the blessing that God had on his life. Genesis 25 and 34. He had no conviction. What bothered him before did not bother him now. You and I must not let the pressure of the moment distort our perspective. When we are at the point of making wrongful compromise, we first become dissatisfied with things. Things at home may be pretty good. They may not be perfect, but then we become dissatisfied and we start staying out in the field just a little bit too long. Maybe we stand at the job just a little bit too long. Maybe we had our girlfriends or our guy friends um, home just a little bit too long. Maybe we're doing some things. We're seeing some people, places, and things that we should not be and where we should not go just a little bit too long. And then you become dissatisfied. You start to find fault with everything around you. Just as Esau did. I'm about to die. And then he disregarded what God gave him. Now, if he had stood in his rightful position from the very beginning, we wouldn't even be having this conversation because I said at the beginning, because of his birthright, when his mother and father was not around, he had the authority to stand up. He had the charge to stand up and take control. So when his brother told him, sell me your birthright, if he understood his birth, his place, he would have told his brother, no, I'm not selling you anything as a matter of fact, because I am the eldest, because I am the one who's in this rightful position. You have to give it up. You have to give up what you think you're giving to me. My God. See, people think they're giving something to you. They're not giving anything to you. You stand in your rightful place in your rightful position. And what did Esau lose? Man, he lost a lot. He lost his future. He lost his fellowship and he lost his family. And you can go over and read about that in Genesis chapter 27. Esau's choices were costly. They were very costly. He lost his future, his fellowship, and his family. How, how costly was his decision, his compromise? His story is found in Genesis if you go over 58 books into the New Testament and you go to Hebrews, you're going to find there that Esau's name is mentioned. And it's not mentioned for good. Let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 through 17 in the Message Bible says, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You all know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. This is serious, saints of God. Do not compromise the downfall of Esau. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's listening right now. 
God, we are at a place in time where we cannot compromise. We must stand firm on the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your power and your strength that you will give us the ability to do the right thing so that we can remain in our birthright of being children and heirs of God, that we can receive the blessings that you have according to your word, spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and that we can walk on the path that you design. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. If you'd like to stay connected with Robin Sherrod Deliverance Ministries, visit us at robinsherrod.com. We'd love to hear from you on social media and look forward to connecting with you next week.